The U.S. says it will start a new round of talks with Taiwan over strengthening economic ties. The announcement was made by a U.S. Senate Department official in a virtual forum hosted by a Washington-based think tank. In the wake of the announcement, the American Institute in Taiwan issued a press release confirming that Washington will take its trade relationship with Taiwan, quote, to the next level. The Washington-based think tank hosted a virtual conference titled U.S.-Taiwan Economic Cooperation Looking Ahead. Taiwan's representative to the U.S. gave the opening remarks. We cannot afford to be marginalized from new regional trade regimes. She underscored Taiwan's determination to engage with the world. Later in the event, Taiwan's economics minister Wang Meihua and U.S. Department of State official David Stilwell announced that the U.S. and Taiwan were establishing new high-level bilateral talks on economic cooperation. I'm glad to share today that the United States and Taiwan are establishing a new bilateral economic dialogue. These talks will explore the full spectrum of our economic relationship, semiconductors, healthcare, energy, and beyond, uh, with technology at the, at the core. We are ready to sign a high standard BTA with the United States. If we can sign this bilateral trade agreement, I think we can expand our industrial cooperation, especially in terms of supply chain cooperation. After the virtual conference, the American Institute in Taiwan issued a press release. It said that upcoming U.S.-Taiwan talks would focus on issues such as reorienting technology and medical product supply chains, enhancing investment screening and intellectual property rights protections, and expanding collaboration in infrastructure and the energy sector. Taiwan is important to America and important to the world. Stilwell reiterated that the U.S. would strengthen its economic and military cooperation with Taiwan. He also announced that the future dialogues will be led by Department of State official Keith Cratch, Undersecretary for Economic Growth, Energy and the Environment. The senior-level dialogues are an unprecedented step forward for relations between the two countries since Washington severed ties with Taipei in 1979. The U.S. says it looks forward to using this new platform to strengthen the economic ties between the two sides. The U.S. has declassified two diplomatic cables that touch on its commitments to a free Taiwan. The documents, which date back to 1982, state the U.S. arms sales to Taiwan are to be adjusted based on China's actions. The cables make clear that China had asked the U.S. to eventually end its arms sales to Taiwan and that the U.S. did not agree. Instead, the U.S. said it expected arms sales to be reduced gradually, but that this expectation was conditional on China's commitment to peaceful resolution of the Taiwan issue. Unwilling to say more about the declassified cables, Christensen headed straight into the event. Earlier in Washington, a State Department official reaffirmed the U.S.'s commitments to Taiwan. For nearly four decades, U.S. policy has been guided by the Taiwan Relations Act in 1979. I assure you that the United States is fully committed to upholding the Taiwan Relations Act fulfilling our uh, commitments under the six assurances as well. After Assistant Secretary David Stilwell's video conference with Taiwanese officials, the AIT published the full text of two declassified cables from 1982. They concerned the August 17th communique and the six assurances. The AIT's press release contained images of the original cables, as well as a full Chinese translation. One document was sent to the AIT on August 17, 1982, by then-U.S. Secretary of State George Shultz. It spelled out Washington's six assurances for Taiwan. 
It states that the U.S. has not agreed to set a date for ending arms sales to Taiwan. Also, the U.S. has not agreed to consult with the PRC on arms sales to Taiwan. The U.S. will not play a mediation role between Taipei and Beijing. In addition, the U.S. has not agreed to revise the Taiwan Relations Act, has not altered its position regarding sovereignty over Taiwan, and will not assert pressure on Taiwan to enter into negotiations with the PRC. The other cable was sent to the AIT one month earlier, on July 10th. It says then U.S. President Ronald Reagan's approach to arms sales to Taiwan did not meet Deng Xiaoping's request for a commitment to end the sales within a certain period of time. The cable states that U.S. arms sales to Taiwan will not exceed the level in recent years, and that the U.S. expects a gradual reduction in its arms sales. But both those positions are conditional on China continuing to seek a peaceful resolution to the Taiwan issue. In the cable, the U.S. stressed that it was not agreeing to a final date for ending arms sales to Taiwan. So, given these various actions, you may wonder whether the United States is trying to signal policy change. The truth is, all those things I just outlined are entirely consistent with our long-standing policy. The release of official government documents is seen as a warning to Beijing about American commitments to Taiwan. The president of the Czech Republic Senate, Milos Vistrichel, declared, "I am Taiwanese" on Tuesday in expression of solidarity. Vistrichel was addressing the legislative yuan on the third day of his Taiwan visit. The Czech speaker is here with a delegation of 89 politicians and business representatives, defying objections from Beijing. In his speech to lawmakers, Vistrichel、uh, said he wished to express support for Taiwan using the words of John F. Kennedy, who in 1969 went to Berlin and declared that he too was a Berliner. Wash Taiwanian. You heard right," he said. "I am Taiwanese." The visiting speaker of the Czech Senate was invited to address the legislative yuan on Tuesday, signaling his solidarity with Taiwan's democracy and values. He sprung a surprise at the end of his speech. It was a reference to John F. Kennedy, who famously declared, "I am a Berliner," in a 1963 speech. Mr. Chill's statement that he too was Taiwanese was a firm expression of what he stood for. I'm I firmly believe that every Democrat has the obligation to support all those working to defend democratic principles and to build democracies. Therefore, as a diplomatic representative of Parliament, it is my great honor to be able to visit your country to exchange experiences, support each other, and expand the cooperation between us. Mr. Chill said the late U.S. President Kennedy had stood up against communism and oppressive regimes. He invoked Kennedy's famous quote. Freedom is indivisible, and when one man is enslaved, all are not free. Mr. Chill said he hoped to channel Kennedy to express his support to the people of Taiwan. Mr. Chill is the first speaker of a non-allied country to deliver a speech at Taiwan's legislature. Legislative Speaker Yoshi Kun presented him with a commemorative gavel and a diplomatic medal. Then the Czech delegation went on a tour of a Lenin Wall set up at the Legislative Yuan. The Czech Republic is a great country. It often confronts power and leads change. We can see it through Czech history: the 1618 defenestrations of Prague, Prague Spring in 1968, the Velvet Revolution in 1989. These all brought about change. And now, Speaker Vistrichel has led a delegation to visit Taiwan. This too will bring about change. Yo hailed Vistrichel for braving the wrath of Beijing to visit Taiwan. He said Vistrichel's visit testifies to the world on the existence of Taiwan. In the past month, China has reported three cases of COVID in arrivals from Taiwan. 
China's Taiwan Affairs Office has taken to social media to slam the DPP for what it called for major shortcomings in disease control. Taiwanese health officials say it's yet to be established whether any of the three patients contracted the disease in Taiwan. Health authorities point out that all 18 close contacts of the latest patients tested negative for COVID-19. Over the past few weeks, three arrivals from Taiwan have reportedly tested positive for COVID-19 after arriving in Shanghai. Taiwan is still investigating the source of their infections. In the meantime, China's Taiwan Affairs Office spokesman Ma Xiaoguang has slammed Taiwan on social media. He wrote that Taiwan's disease prevention measures had major shortcomings, and he blamed them on the DPP administration. He called on the party to take responsibility and take steps to stop viral transmission. Ma said the lives and health of the Taiwanese were no trifling matter and should not be sacrificed for political gain. Taiwan's health minister pushed back. For a country to have doubts about another, that's a normal thing. But China itself is not especially trustworthy. In any case, these reports have come up and we must continue with our contact tracing and do it properly. On August 19th, a Chinese national who had visited relatives in Taiwan was diagnosed with COVID after returning to China. But he only tested positive on the third of five tests he was given, leading Taiwanese health authorities to believe his case may have been a false positive. Later in the month, a Taiwanese woman in her 70s tested positive one week after landing in Shanghai. The source of her infection has yet to be established. The third case was a man in his 20s who has long-term residency in the U.S. He came to Taiwan on August 4th and stayed for 23 days before traveling to Shanghai. Antibody tests came back positive for him, meaning he had been infected two to three weeks before. All his 18 contacts in Taiwan tested negative for the disease. He had 18 contacts in Taiwan. We carried out PRC and antibody tests, all of which came back negative yesterday. IgG and IgM antibody tests were both positive for the patient. Since they both showed a positive at the same time, that means he was infected at least two or three weeks ago or even before. In related news, a photo is circulating on social media showing corpses at a river. The social media post claims that Taidong is in lockdown after millions there contracted COVID. Officials said the photo is from a South Korean movie. The Centers for Disease Control said that spreading this information carries a fine of up to 3 million NT. Labor insurance fees are going up. Starting next year, the premium will be raised from 10% to 10.5% of your salary. This means that employers who pay 70% of that premium will contribute an extra 84 NT to 160 NT each month. Employees will pay an extra 24 NT to 46 NT each month. The adjustment will affect more than 10 million people. U.S. pork containing rectopamine is coming soon to store shelves, but will shoppers buy it? Some locals are adamant that they'll stick with fresh pork from Taiwan farmers. Health authorities say they'll enforce labeling laws so that customers can be sure what they're getting. Pork minced is mashed to give it a firm but springy texture. The chef adds prawns, but the pork is the star. Into the deep fryer for a moment, and then the delectable dim sum is ready. Or how about a fried pork meatball, Taiwan specialty? This restaurant only uses Taiwanese pork. They say imported pork can't match up. The flavor has more of what we call the pig stink. So basically, lots of people can't take it. 
It's been frozen, so it also has damage to its fibers, so it doesn't hold water so well, and it tastes drier. American pork has a bad smell to it, so when Taiwanese students cook, we all rinse it in running water first for about 30 minutes, and then we also boil it briefly to get rid of that stink. Taiwanese pork is really way better. Health authorities are concerned that the cheaper U.S. pork could find its way into many processed foods. Health Minister Chen Shizhong says product labels will help consumers choose. Whether they're sold open or packaged, whether they're directly sold, retailers will be required to clearly mark the country of origin. Around that time, I think we'll be selecting some venues where we'll do demonstrations. Chen said authorities would also make food safety checks more frequent and rigorous, ensuring the public stays safe. A Taipei schoolgirl has warmed the hearts of nurses all around Taiwan by collecting thank you cards and sending them to hospitals. Starting in March and still going strong, Li Mengting continues to collect cards by the hundreds sent in from the community. We sent a reporter to Taidong to find out how the messages of support have landed for nurses at one of the Taiwan's rural hospitals. A thick stack of padded envelopes is handed in to be posted. Taipei First Girls High School student Li Mengting and her brother Mongrong began collecting letters of appreciation for nurses in March. They've sent them off to more than 60 medical institutions, including rural outposts like Taidong Hospital. They really make us feel they can see how hard we're working on the front line. We feel really seen. I'm grateful for their encouragement. When we've got our motivation, we will keep on protecting everyone in Taidong. The cards are covered in heartfelt messages and touching drawings. National Taiwan University Hospital and many others have posted their thanks online, even the Ministry of Health and Welfare. Because the thank you cards just keep on coming, we have a duty to help everyone send our big heart of gratitude to the nurses. So that's why we just continue sending them. Little cards with a big heart. These students have found their own authentic way to say thanks to Taiwan's nursing heroes. Since the coronavirus pandemic broke out, the stock market has seen major growth for companies that cater to the work-from-home economy. Hardware producer Aver Information has been leading the charge, with the value of its stock growing from $20 NT to $143 NT since January. In these times, a video meeting with a distant colleague has become normal. This financial analyst relies on such remote meetings. The market for online communication has boomed this year, and stocks for market leaders has skyrocketed. Aver Information, a spin-off from Aver Media, has become the biggest name in Taiwan's remote tech field. The remote market has the biggest and the most pure impact on profits for these two stocks. In one month, they earned six months' revenue. Aver recently published record monthly revenues for July, 468 million NT, almost 130% more than July last year. The firm's stock has jumped from 20 NT at the start of the year through a surge in July to a new all-time high of 146 NT on August 31st. It's firmly a member of the over 100 NT club now. Parent company Aver Media also climbed from 10 NT in January to 70 NT by the end of August. Both have appreciated by a factor of seven. We should look forward to a fantastic situation for the third quarter. But in the fourth quarter, we'll have to see if the market's saturated. Other firms that have benefited from the boom in remote working include those providing cloud servers, such as Quanta and YWIN. 
Laptop parts manufacturers Inventec, Compao, and Wistron, and laptop brands like Acer and Asus, as well as network providers like Chenghua Telecom and Cyberlink. All those companies are seeing their finances bolstered by the stay-at-home economy. An electric assist bike share system called Muvo has launched in New Taipei City. The bikes debuted in, in, in Danshui District late August. Starting September 1st, these shared bikes, sh uh, shared bikes are also available in Banqiao, Xinzhuang, and Shanchong. Muvo riders must use a mobile app to rent and return their bikes at designated locations in the city. Use the mobile app to scan the barcode, unlock the bike, and you're ready to go for a ride. This is New Taipei City's pilot program for shared electric assist bicycles. Starting this month, more of these bikes will hit the road. Whether New Taipei City will implement U-Bike 2.0 hasn't been decided, but it's become the first to launch shared electric assist bicycles like the one I'm riding right now. In the future, they can be rented in Banqiao as well as Xinjiang and Sanchong. In the initial stage, New Taipei's Muvo electric bike sharing system will offer 180 bikes in Danshui, Banqiao, Xindian and Sanchong. On an electric assist bike, one step of the pedal can go a long way. Riders can travel for 60 kilometers on a full charge. Muvo charges 9 NT for the first 10 minutes and 1 NT for every minute after. That's 59 NT for one hour. U-Bike only charges 15 NT for one hour. But there's another difference between the two systems. An app is used to rent the Muvo bikes. To return a Muvo bike, riders need to take a photo of it and upload it to the app. Muvo stations have no bike racks. Instead, bikes are borrowed and returned in designated areas marked by a digital fence. If you're returning the bike and find out on the app that you can't return it, report your location and take a photo. People can leave their bikes with peace of mind. We will use AI analysis to confirm that the bike is at the proper spot. As to whether Muvo can be a replacement for U-Bike, New Taipei's Department of Transportation emphasizes that the two systems occupy different market positions. The market position of electric assist bikes is different from that of U-Bikes. There are many shared transport options now, such as rideshares and shared scooters. Shared bikes are also part of the shared vehicle ecosystem. New Taipei's contract with U-Bike ends July of next year. How it will partner with U-Bike in the future isn't yet determined. To shape its decision, it's launched a shared electric assist bike system to test the waters of public opinion. A Taipei eatery is serving a fusion cuisine that breaks the mold. It takes classic French and Italian cuisine and it turns it on its head, combining Asian flavors in iconoclastic ways. A favorite on the menu is frog legs wrapped in buckwheat noodles with black garlic sauce. It's a tantalizing treat for the taste buds as well as a work of art. It's linguine doused in a sauce made with lobster head stock. A hint of spice enhances the sweetness of the seafood. The succulent pincer is bursting with flavour. To make this dish, curry spices are fried gently in butter until their aroma is released. In goes the main lobster. High heat removes the fishy taste and locks in the buttery sweetness. Then the lobster shell is simmered to make a dark, rich sauce. That's draped on the pasta and tossed well for depth of flavour. I change the sauce with a little bit more spicy, 
more flavor like ginger, the black pepper. When I eat uh, very lo local food in a restaurant in Tamshui, so I found like uh, this kind of sauce. In this dish, Taiwan flavors are the star. It's frog's legs wrapped in crunchy buckwheat noodles. Dip it into the black garlic sauce for a tasty blend of east and west. To make this dish, frog legs are wrapped in noodles and crisped up in hot oil until golden. Then it's time for plating. The chef swipes on pesto, then adds dollops of egg yolk sauce and black garlic sauce. This dish was inspired by the complex flavours of black garlic chicken soup. It's very strong and sweet in the same time. And after, with other garlic, fresh garlic, you have the intense of garlic. So we have three flavours of garlic, it's very nice. In his risottos, he uses Chersheng rice. He tops it with chicken wings from Puli that are pan-fried on a low frame till crispy. The creamy rice and crackly wings provide a pleasing contrast of textures. This French chef has travelled all over Taiwan to source his ingredients. He has even reimagined a pizza with Taiwanese black hog sausage. He uses French culinary techniques and fresh local ingredients so that diners can rediscover the tastes of Taiwan.